podcast for athletes and geeks collide i'm your host bakari spells today we're going to cover the ryan garcia versus um i'm sorry i'm a week behind today we're going to cover the joey gonzalez isaac daba post fight also going to cover the co-feature gabriel flores versus uh giovanni cabrera in the 135 division after that we'll dive into the training relationship between fathers and sons daughter and compass probably the fighters tiafimo lopez Isaac Dabe, uh, Devin Haney Jr., Floyd Mayweather. If I could think of any other uh, examples on my way, we'll compare and contrast those and show some of the healthy relationships, some of the not healthy relationships, and then we compare some some fighter, uh, some some non you know biological related trainer fighter combos and see how that worked out for their careers as well. So let's get into it, man. Um, the call feature we had Gabriel Flores versus Giovanni Cabrera. Uh, Gabriel Flores used to be an exciting prospect. Uh, he's nine fights in. This was, I think, his ninth fight. Uh, so he's now seven until he did lose. Um, he could have lost a lot earlier. He did. It went to the scorecards. He made a decision. Uh, but it could have been a first down, first round knockout in the first seven seconds. Um, I mean, sometimes you hear about your life flashing before your eyes. Gabriel Flores Jr. saw his career flash before his eyes in this fight. Um, Cabrera very quickly overwhelmed him um, with a straight left, a, a left hook. Uh, anything that came from the left side, Gabriel Flores felt in the first couple of rounds. Um, he didn't have his legs under him. He was swinging that air like fucking Cuba Gooden Jr. off boys in the hood after he got knocked down. Uh, he lost that first round of 10-7 rounds, so he's already down hard in the scorecards. He suffered another knockdown later on in the fight, in the, early in the fight. Got wobbled a lot in the fight, so I mean, he was never really all the way there. And even with that being, you know, a, a lent factor for him, he's still able. He was still able to acquit himself. But because he moving up from one thirty to one thirty five, you know, the power just didn't translate like he thought it would. And honestly, he didn't have that much power at one thirty. Um, his technical ability, as far as offensively, I think is decent. You know, he knows how to put together a one two, a one two three. I mean, he made decent connection with Cabrera. It just didn't hurt him. Um, some of it got his gloves, but you know, some of those glove shots. They bounce into your face. They do something. But with Gabriel Flores, it just didn't seem to phrase Cabrera. Um, the only time Cabrera moved backwards when he decided he was tired or, you know, he just didn't want it, didn't feel like engaged, engaging because he was so far ahead on the scorecards. He was up two rounds off rip coming up the first round. So, I mean, he had 
he could pick his pockets where he wanted to have action. And because he's so far ahead, it kind of influences the judges, you know, the, they, they recognize what's going on. And so they, you know, they can take things into context. And so even though Gabriel Flores was scoring better in a lot of half of the 10 round fight, uh, it wasn't enough to, you know, succumb the damage that he was taking. Um, and speaking of the damage he was taking, that fight probably should have stopped, been stopped around round six because there is no way he was going to win. Because he had to knock him, he had to knock Cabrera out to win. And there was no way he was going to knock Cabrera out with the power he had left. I mean, maybe if he never suffered a knockdown in the first, <coughs> the beginning of the fight, <clears throat> his game plan would have worked. He put, he put a large emphasis on the body uh, even after the knockdown. You know, he didn't go head hunt. He stayed composed. I like Gabriel Flores. I just don't like him at 135. Mm-hmm. But hey, you win some, you lose some. He he stayed he stayed consistent with the body work. He mixed up his offensive repertoire is really really good. It was really really not impressive, but it it was put together. I really feel like if he was more defensively solid and he circled more to Cabrera's left right right hand, and so his left, he would have had a better chance. I mean, Cabrera's a southpaw, so when you circle in right, you are running right into that hook and that straight. And I mean. Sh- Cabrera down there closed uh, Flores' eye. Um, what's next for Flores, man? If it's not retirement, he took a lot of damage in that fight. It's probably a move back down to 130. If you still want to, like, take – I don't even know who's – I don't know a name that he can really challenge at 130 that's going to take it. The belt's so awkward. I mean, do you want Shakur Stevenson? The answer's probably no. Do you want a man you'll never rate? <coughs> I wouldn't. I would work towards that fight. <coughs> well, I think someone that's technically solid. <coughs> Excuse me. I think someone that's technically solid can probably deal with a man never at they better than the people they match him up with. Um, but they have to be able to withstand power. And Gabriel Flores hasn't been shown to be able to do that. Uh Cabrera, this is my first fight seeing him in compared to Gabriel Flores. He's obviously more game for the 135 division. But technically, I mean, took a 10-4 belt. With the 135 dogs, he's nowhere close to being ready. He's not even close to being a contender. Javier Fortuna could probably be Cabrera. Fucking Jojo Diaz can be Cabrera. Name him to Kirk Stevenson can walk in his sleep, be Cabrera. I mean, Cabrera's on a prospect level as well, so it should happen. But Keyshawn Davis can be Cabrera right now. Hmm. Matter of fact, that's a great fight to see. Keyshawn Davis versus Cabrera. I want to see that next. Um, But moving off of that, because this really wasn't a great fight. None of these fights that we cover in the night. Are really the most exciting of fights that I watched this weekend. Um, the Joy Gonzalez versus Ugly Bible fight. Uh, some backstory on them. They're both victims of Emmanuel Navarrete. Um, just Joy Gonzalez just wasn't good enough. Uh, he acquitted himself better than Dabba did. Dabba got annihilated by Navarrete. Uh, Dabba almost got retired by Navarrete. So, I mean, both these guys suffer L's. Both these guys are working their way towards rematches. Dabba towards his trilogy fight with Navarrete, if you'll have him. Um, so, it was a lot of stakes in this fight. Not a belt, but contention for one. Um, Dabba came out really with a really interesting game plan, controlling the distance, jumping in and out of distance, which is a lot because the reach and height of disadvantage he was at, he was, like, probably four inches shorter than um, Gonzalez. But even so, through the first three rounds, I'll say he did a good job of controlling pace. He did a good job of controlling, you know, his action. When he didn't want to fight, he was out of range. When he wanted to do damage, he was hitting and not getting hit. I was very impressed. Up until 
Gun Gonzalez stunned him, I want to say, in the third round. And it kind of took him off the game plan. Um, he kind of went, got drawn into more firefights. He stayed in the pocket longer. He still did damage, but he took damage. And what you would notice in that fight is that Gonzalez never showed when he was hurt. Uh, I mean, he if he got hit with some body shots, you saw him tuck his elbows a little bit, but he still marched forward. So um, it was a really entertaining fight. I would say I probably would have had it a draw. The judges gave it, you know, and then they gave two rounds to Daba. But, I mean, Gonzalez could have easily won that fight because there was a stretch where – you know, he he took the Dabo completely out of his rhythm. He controlled the ring, uh, marching forward. He had Dabo on his back foot. He had him cornered. He was hitting him with body shots. <clears throat> but Dabo has a really strong chin. His body's really strong. He's really like a muscle hamster. So those body shots weren't really doing the damage, the visible damage that they were doing with Gonzalez as far as making him tuck his elbows and shit. Um, so what's next with Gonzalez? Hmm. He has to stay at 130. He's not big enough to go to 135 right now. Um, I mean, he could still probably stumble into – it was a good fight, man. I don't think there was really a true loser. But I'll probably end up happening is a rematch between him and Isaac Dabe because I think um, Navarrete and Shakur Stevenson are probably going to meet soon for unification. Um, and the same thing with uh, this is Cordina. So I think those belts are gonna be tied up, and fucking. I mean, Cordina might end up meeting, meeting Dapa, but that remains to be seen. Oh, this one thirty man outside of Shakur, it's really not much to talk about. I mean, Emmanuel Navarrete is a guy, but when you compare him to Shakur, unless Shakur vacates, Emmanuel gonna have to come off that belt and vacate his damn self. So, I mean, that's really what it is. On the news and notes for the weekend, man. I don't know if you guys are scrolling Twitter, but Ryan Garcia is still riding that post fight high. Um, he's still calling out Tank Davis every chance he get, every interview he's in, every tweet he sends out is formulated around Tank's name. So it's all just, you know, take a moment of silence for the appearance of Ryan Garcia at 140 because the only way he's going to fight Tank Davis at 135. And I came straight from Floyd's mouth. So let's bow heads and just give him five seconds. All right. Anyway, so Floyd responded to Tank saying, oh, you know, line." I'm sorry, Floyd responded to Ryan Garcia saying, you know, line Tank up. He can see me whenever, wherever, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Floyd said, cool, man, but you forget Tank the A-side. Tank is proven. Tank put butts in seats just like you put butts in seats. So, I mean, if we talk about leverage, Tank has a belt. What you got? You know what I mean? A, a win over a fucking one, a 130-pounder that's washed. A, a, a knockdown and against Luke Campbell. I mean, come on, bro. Let's not compare resumes right now. But if you want Tank come down at 135, and Ryan Garcia says, sure. And so for me, that just let me know. It's, it's the same shit always is. Ryan Garcia just talking because if your camp, your camp wants you to fight at 140. Your camp told you why you want to fight at 140 because you fight Tank at 135. Tank's power at 135. Just proven. This, bullet, this nigga, every, every fight he has, it is a knockout of seven one. You know what I mean? So, at 140, it was a lot tougher to get that knockout against an inferior fighter. So, I think Garcia sees that see his power at 140. <coughs> Excuse me. I said, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, <coughs> let's make it happen up here. But I think he gets excitable. He's young. And, you know, Tank didn't have to do much. He let Floyd do the talking. And, you know, Floyd's a master technician in and out the ring. 
and he's a master of manipulating his opponents in and out the ring. And I mean, this isn't really as much about Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis as it's really about you know two promotion companies going at it and uh Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy and Floyd Mayweather's Mayweather promotions, who think Tank Davis is still, I think, loosely represented by, even though you know they should be parting away soon. I thought his last fight was his last fight with him, but we'll see. Maybe the relationship remains close enough for Floyd to, you know, act as a mouthpiece for him. Um, but like I said, Floyd said he didn't come right down 135. And I mean, Oscar De La Hoya really, really, really wants this fight because Floyd pretty much began the decline of Oscar. Um, and so I think he fused this. I mean, the, the storylines are almost not really similar, but look at the heritage, you know, Garcia, all the Hispanic um, tank impoverished neighborhood of Baltimore, allegedly, you know what I mean? So I wasn't there. But, you know, so it's a loose parallel, but in, in boxing, that's all you really need to draw a storyline, let Mark Kriegel have his way with it. I don't know, man. Did this fight happen by the end of the year? November, December, Tank and Ryan fought, I think, two, three weeks within each other. So they shouldn't need too much of a, you know, they're young. They shouldn't need too much downtime. I don't really think those were difficult fights for either one of them. Um, they both in there early. So, you know, could have happened. It remains to be seen. Ryan Garcia, mm, it's not even time for a fight preview, but I'm itching to do it. I'm just waiting for the announcement. But I think y'all can tell on my tongue who I think going on. Uh, moving on from those news and notes, um, Tyson Fury claims that he'll fight motherfucking Anthony Joshua for free. Yeah, he still remains retired when it seems like, you know, Alexander Usyk may want to fight. So, you know, that's more bullshit on the horizon. Deontay Wilder still out of the opponent. Tilson Lopez uh, claimed that he's glad he's lost because he needed to be humble, et cetera, et cetera. So psh, be prepared for him to knock out Pedro Campa and then start proclaiming himself as the best. And this is, this is greatness. This is legend he's chosen, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I enjoyed the quietity of Hima Lopez. I really hope he wasn't going to do any media appearances until after this fight. But, you know, he, he told he said he told Devin to eat with his motherfucking hands. So I want to see him do that shit, you know, at 140. And then, you know, eventually those two meet up because that's going to be a, that's going to be a good fucking fight, man. Tia Lopez is so talented. It's all behind the ears for him where he's deficient. There's nothing he can do. He has excellent reflexes, excellent power. He He's shown the Lomachenko fight that he had excellent ring generalship, even though Lomachenko may have been injured. Um, and I think with that, it's a good place to stop for a break, and then we'll come right back, and then um, we'll power through the rest of the episode compared to father-trainer relationships and the trainer-fighter relationships. And we're back. All right, so let's get into this father-trainer dynamics, right? So I don't know how many of you guys play basketball, literally, baseball, soccer, whatever, but a lot of you guys probably had your dad or your mom be the coach of your team. And if you're like me, that shit probably got a little awkward, right? You know what I mean? Practice, you weren't running fast enough, they own you the hardest. If you're not shooting well enough, they own you the hardest. Uh, and their, their decisions are never impartial. You know, the coach's son's always the point guard, the quarterback, whatever, right? In boxing, I feel from the outside looking in, that that relationship is even more intricate in some of the pitfalls because the emotional tie, the hours put in the gym on the road work, you know what I mean? You're spending so much of your time with your team. And if your father's part of that team, you know what I mean? Like in, in your adult life, 
you know, you're, this is a business relationship. You know what I mean? How we interact with each other affects our money. How we spend time with each other affects our money. So we could easily be fucking, you know, on the lake fishing and shit. Or we could be on this road or in this gym getting work in, understanding that balance because it can, it can become all about work. And then it can become, you know what I mean? It can become relationships can sour and things can deteriorate in the corner. A perfect relationship to uh, cross-examine the fighter we just talked about, Teofino Lopez Jr. and his father, Teofino Lopez Sr., uh, who I think was voted by ESPN a trainer of the year in 2021, 2020 or 2021. So, you know, obviously a great combination. They they fought their way to an undisputed championship at 135 and won it. So you can't deny that the talent, the acumen is there in both father and son. But, cause, you know, Teofima Lopez senior trained Teofima Lopez, you know, pretty much from the inception of the idea that he was going to box. Um, that being said, you know, Teofima Lopez senior, you know, was the reason they got the Lomachenko fight because, you know, he insulted Lomachenko in the hallway and on Lomachenko's heritage. You know, the backstory behind that, just disrespect wasn't going to be tolerated, so it was eventually going to be a fight anyway. Um, but, you know, he, he walked his son into fighting one of the most dangerous fighters in the world and luckily it benefited his son. But, I mean, that wasn't a fight that his son was ready for at the time. Um, if Lomachenko decided, hey, fuck it, I want you, Bob was going to give it to him, and then he was going to derail Teofimo's whole career. Um so they, they got past that fight and they rode that high, father ran out the mouth, some believed it. It wasn't focused, father didn't keep him focused. Uh they come into the pre-fight, so injures himself, you know, somehow drinking water. You know what I mean? Um, so it's probably to me sound like he injured himself trying to cut weight um with his throat injury. Um and had a life threatening condition allegedly in the rain. Uh, didn't seem to have a tangible game plan, right? He just wasn't able to follow the game plan. And I put that shit on the coach, and then <clears throat> that's just in ring shit. When you get into the dynamics of whether he should have ever been in the ring, that's when you start separating business and family, you know what I mean? Because you, as a father, want to see your son, you know, fight through controversy and fight through, uh, you know challenge himself or you know fight for his dreams whatever the motivation may be you're intrinsically motivated by whatever motivates your son because he's you etc cetera, etc cetera, right and you can see that you saw it in the championship how he held his son up paraded him around the ring the emotion on both their faces he cried thank god i mean you can see how much he lived through his son and the passion in which he talks as a mouthpiece for his son don't even let his son talk for him um and you and you see you see the burden of ways to your female. You said it before. You know my my dad talked me in situations. I have to back it up. And I'm thinking this situation. I think his dad let him down because I don't think he should have been in that rank if it was a life threatening condition. His son could have died. And as a businessman, I also think that if your investment is hindered, why would you? If you have a car that has a radiator problem, don't put it on the road. So you you can worsen. Everybody knows that the car broke. Don't put it on the road. Don't drive it till it's fixed. You can make it worse. You know what I mean. You made it worse because Tia Fima Lopez is a fighter that's filled by confidence. You're a father that's filled by confidence. When you guys don't have that, you lose your edge. And when you lose your edge, I mean, this fight is a ability all over the world. It's the mental makeup that separates people. It's the mental makeup that separates Canelo Alvarez's and Bud Crawford's and Floyd Mayweather's, Manny Pacquiao's. It's the mental make maker that allows you to get knocked on the ground and get back up. It's the mental maker that allows you to never see the canvas. You know what I'm saying? So I think um 
<laughs> I think objectivity is really what's missing in some of these corners. I think if you look at a uh, Floyd Mayweather senior, Floyd Mayweather junior, their relationship was similar. Uh, you almost have fights in the locker room documented on HBO All Access. I, he had to make the change to his uncle just for the same same level of trust, but more objectivity because the relationship with his father is just deteriorated. If you look at um, you look at Ryan Garcia, represented by Joe Goosen, when he changed trainers from his previous trainer to Canelo Alvarez camp, which wasn't his father, but you know, bothered him from the infancy of his boxing career. You know, it's vast improvement. You look at Aubrey Baba. Um, I talked about those two fights. He was annihilated by Emmanuel Navarrete. His father was in that corner, and it, it, the, the tactics aren't what bothered me. I can excuse you for being a poor tactician, and or I can, or I can excuse you for not executing the game plan well. Um, that's just an accountability issue. What I can't excuse is your son getting pummeled in the ring, and it's the eighth, ninth round in a 10-round fight, and that white towel not out because your son can die when he gets to the hospital. You know what I mean? And this is a businessman and someone objectivity with the best interest of the fighter and, you know, the corner. You're going to throw that towel in and let the fight out of the bay. You saw what uh, was Mark Bremen or whatever, uh, Wilder's trainer, got fired for that shit, preserving Deontay Wilder. He wasn't, he wasn't his father. His father would have let him fight. You know, an objective trainer that knows the game is going to throw that white towel and save the fighter's life. Um, so I just think, you know, in the, I guess the end of this ring is really just a, just be careful with your son's lives when you're in these corners, man. It's not a game. You don't play boxing. You know what I'm saying? This isn't this isn't the front row seat to your son's rise of superstardom. Um, if you, if you want to be there, be a Bill Haney. You know what I mean? Be put your pride aside to the, enough to allow a motherfucking Ben Davis in your corner or, or a Joe Goosen in your corner and give your son tips. Give your son <coughs> give, provide your son what you can't because that's what real fathers do. They want their son to have better than what they can give. <coughs> Um, and that's not a that's not an attack on these men in general. I just I was just watching um I was watching Gay Flores Jr. just, just it was the announcers were saying it, the ref was looking at him crazy. It was just that fight should have called been called way earlier. It made me sick to my stomach because I could these, these fights even if they don't die they stay with these fighters. The physical toll your your mind is a powerful thing. It drives everything else around you. Please 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 gotta take care of you. You're a young fighter out there, man. Wear headgear. It's no need to take those shots early. If you're a football player, man, you got concussions, take care of your body, man. You're a freshman. You can take a season off. You can take the spring off. You know what I mean? Because your mind is a powerful thing. It drives everything you do. And not to sound preachy to you, just, uh, just talking from experience. But um, on that note, man, hope you guys had a blessed weekend. Hope you guys started your week strong. Please always, always respect women. And remember, simping ain't pimping. And we out. Yeah,